way. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul is approaching the end of his life. He says in verse 6, For I am ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Paul had lived a hard and difficult life, but he had lived it in a praiseworthy manner. We looked at verse 7 last week. For I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. That's not the statement of a braggart. That is simply a true view of the Apostle Paul's life. He had fought a good fight, he had finished the course, he had kept the faith. Paul had lived a rewarding life, perhaps not in this age, in this time of his existence. He met with a lot of hardship and difficulty. But he lived a rewarding life, and that life would be rewarded in the life to come. So Paul now looks forward to a time of that future reward. He says in verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So our theme this morning is, we should live our lives in anticipation of receiving a future glorious crown from Jesus himself. So I want to unpack that thought this morning. We should live our life in anticipation of receiving a future glorious crown from Jesus himself. We start by looking at the nature of this crown. For it tells us in verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. A crown of righteousness. There has been some discussion as to whether this crown should be understood literally or not. Is he referring to a literal crown that is going to be placed upon his head? Or is he referring to a crown which is righteousness himself? Meaning that it is the crowning moment of his life when he is going to be made perfectly righteous. Well, there are many themes in the scripture about reward and about crowns. One of them has to do with reward, and there are, as I said, many passages. In the uh, book of 2 Timothy, Paul had said in verse 3 of chapter 12, Indeed, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And we know that there is a, an award, a reward for willingness to suffer persecution. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. For great is your reward in heaven. For so prosecuted they the prophets who were before you. The crown that is in view here is not a diadem or kingly crown, but rather an athlete's crown, which was a laurel wreath, a laurel wreath. In the New Testament era, the winning runner did not receive a medal around their neck like our Olympic athletes receive. Rather, they received a laurel wreath upon their head. It's this laurel wreath that's 
being referred to in our passage. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it said, An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's this, is this athletic crown that's being described. Again, the Christian life is compared to that of the athlete's race. In 1 Corinthians 9.25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, as seen on the screen, but we an imperishable. The crown in the book of Revelation appears to be a literal crown. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 4, it reads, Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. Golden crowns on their heads. Now, they're referred to as a golden crown, even though the word that is used is still the word for this wreath, as opposed to a diadem. There is a diadem, which is the kind of crown that most of us think of, which is a kingly crown. And there is a Greek word for that, and it does appear. It appears in the book of Revelation. We'll get to that eventually. This is still referring to this, this wreath that is placed upon people's heads, but now it's referred to as a golden wreath, or as translated in the ESV, a golden crown. A golden crown. It is a golden wreath because it will not perish. It will not grow old. It will not be destroyed. Even as we read in 1 Corinthians, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. The emphasis is on the shortness of the time of glory for the athlete. There is a famous poem written by A. E. Houseman in 1896. It was written and inspired by the death of his close friend, Albert Jackson, in 1892. It's called An Oath to a Dying Young. Uh, an Ode to an Athlete Dying Young. It speaks of the blessedness of a heroic athlete dying young before his glory wears out. It speaks of the winner of the race being hoisted on the shoulders of admirers and paraded through the town. Notice the words. The time you won your town the race, we cheered you through the marketplace. Man and boy stood cheering by, and home we brought you shoulder high. So here they are parading this, this youth through the streets of the city. But now the runner dies like all people do, and now he is paraded through town in a casket. Today the road all runners come, shoulder high we bring you home, and set you at your threshold down, townsmen of a stiller town. So now he's not carried on their shoulders as a parade, but now in a casket. The young man was wise to die before his glory fades. It says, smart lad to slip betimes away, from fields where glory does not stay. And early though the laurel grows, it withers quicker than the rose. So wise are you to die before this wreath is just going to wither away like a rose does. Because he has died young, he does not see the record broken and people no longer praising him. 
Eyes the shady night has shut, cannot see the record cut, and silent sounds no worse than cheers after earth has stopped the ears. So you, he's no longer able to hear the silence. The whole aspect is a young man who is still alive will see the time that his record is broken. We'll see a time when people are no longer cheering his name. We'll see a time when he's no longer important. But this fellow is smart, for he dies young. He will be spared from being a part of that large throng who outlived their fame. Now you will not swell the rout of lads that wore their honors out, runners whom renown outran, and the name died before the man. So keep in mind how fleeting glory is. So set before its echoes fade, the feet foot on the sill of shade, and hold to the low lintel up the still defended challenge cup. And round that early laureled head will flock to gaze the strengthless dead, and find unwithered on its curls the garland briefer than a girl's. The glory that's associated with this life is short. The aspect is the glory that is associated with the life to come is eternal. These crowns that are given are going to be cast at the feet of the Lord Jesus. In the book of Revelation, chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, it says, The 24 elders fell down upon before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things, and by your will they are existed and created. I'd like to talk to you a moment about another award, the Congressional Medal of Honor. The Congressional Medal of Honor is a rather rare award. It is a military award, and it's only ever been awarded to eight civilians. One of the civilians that the award was given to was Dr. Mary Ed Edwards Walker during the time of the Civil War, Civil War. She worked as a contract surgeon at the battles of Bull Run, Fredericksburg, Chattanooga, and Chickamauga. During battles, she would frequently cross enemy lines and treat civilians. Throughout the war, she was contracted as a surgeon by the Army of the Cumberland, the 52nd Ohio Infantry, and the Patton Office Hospital in Washington, D.C. She was arrested by the Confederacy as a spy in 1864 and spent four months as a prisoner of the war. After the war, Walker was recommended for the Medal of Honor by General William Takshuma Sherman. On November 11, 1865, President Andrew Jackson signed a bill to award her the Medal of Honor. In 1917, the U.S. Congress created a Pension Act for Medal of Honor recipients, and in doing so, created separate Army and Navy Medal of Honor roles. Only the Army decided to review eligibility for inclusion on the Army Medal of Honor roll. So they decided that they were going to give a pension to those that received the Medal of Honor. So they went back and looked over the entire role of those who had received the Medal of Honor. Well, in 1917, the Medal of Honor Board 
deleted 911 names from the Army Medal of Honor roll, including those of Dr. Mary Edwards Walker and Buffalo Bill Cody. The disenrolled recipients were ordered to return their medals, but Walker refused, and she continued to wear her medal, and you can see it on her uh, top there in your picture. She would not give the medal back. She was not receiving the money, but she hung on to the medal for dear life, and she said this. She had gone into enemy territory to care for the suffering inhabitants when no man had the courage to do so for fear of being imprisoned. She said, I did what no man would do. She said, I deserve this medal, and I am keeping this medal. Well, I believe she did deserve it, but it's an interesting attitude. I deserve it, and I'm going to keep it. But with this crown that we're going to receive, this crown that is going to be now covered in gold to make it imperishable so that it will last forever and ever, this crown that is going to be given to us, we in turn are going to cast at the feet of Jesus. Why? Why? Because we will acknowledge that the only reason that we have received this award is because of the grace and goodness of God. The only reason we have persevered is because of the work of God in our hearts. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said this life of righteousness that I have lived, I have lived by the power of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says to Timothy, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So when he says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, he acknowledged he does so by the grace of God. So he's going to be awarded, but he's going to throw it at the feet of Jesus. Number two, the bestower of the crown. The Lord Jesus Christ will bestow the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4, 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. The Lord refers back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. This is the ending of a, a pericope in which there are two ends uh, to this bookcase, if you will. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. So he said, Timothy, in light of this coming judgment that is going to take place at Christ appearing in his kingdom, Paul says in verse 8, the Lord will give me that award. Jesus is referred to as a righteous judge in verse 8. A righteous judge. That is a God who will judge rightly, justly, fairly. 
included in that idea of being a righteous God uh, judge is the aspect that he will not forget or overlook what has been done for him. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you showed towards his name. God is not unrighteous to forget what we have done. Paul is facing a group of people that are unrighteous to be sure. Rather than awarding him and thanking him for his labors, they are throwing him in prison. Rather than giving him accolades, they are departing from him. They are treating him unjustly and unfairly. That's not the kind of judge that we're going to stand before. He is a righteous judge. He is a fair judge. He is a good judge. And Paul knows that he is going to be rewarded for this life that has been lived. Jesus will determine who receives the crown. Jesus will also be the one who bestows the crown. One of the great glories to be had in receiving a medal is the person who bestows it. Of course, the Congressional Medal of Honor is, is given by the President of the United States. He is the one who puts the, the medal around the individual's neck. Well, here it's Jesus Christ himself who is going to be the one who awards us with this crown. It will make up for all the injustice that we have experienced in this world. The time of the crown. The reward is future, 2 Timothy 4.8. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. It does not come immediately upon death. It does not come immediately upon death. It says in verse 8, it will be awarded to me on that day. That day refers back to verse 1 of chapter 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge living and the dead, by his appearing in his kingdom. So the day that's referred to is the day of his appearing, the day of his kingdom. The day when he returns to earth to establish his kingdom. It is at the establishment of the kingdom that the crowns are awarded. Revelation 19, verses 11 and following. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the army of heavens, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, which is to strike down the nations. And he will rule over them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepresses of the fury of the wrath of the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And now the imagery changes. Now the imagery is of this ruling crown. That is possessed. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 11. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we also will reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So here the idea is that we are reigning 
with Christ. And that's part of our reward to reign along with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then lastly, the universal nature of the award. The award is not unique to the Apostle Paul. Notice verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous God, judge, will give to me that day. And now these words, and not only to me. Not only to me. Unlike the Congressional Medal of Honor that is limited to those who have demonstrated their faithfulness in military battle. This crown is not reserved for apostles or ministers or missionaries or even martyrs. You don't have to be a part of a select group to receive this crown. As I talked about last week, that each of us has our own duty, our own responsibility, our own lives that we have to live, and they're not the same. God has not called us all to be pastors. God has not called us all to be missionaries. God has not called us all to full-time service. But God has a reason for each and every one of us that have been saved. So we are not compared with one another when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It is not that your life is going to be compared to my life, your deeds compared to my deeds, my actions compared to your actions, and we are awarded based on who lived the better life. But rather, when we stand before the judgment seat of God, we are judged solely on the basis of God's purpose for our own life. I'd like you to turn with me to First Timothy, excuse me, Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Because I want us to look at the criteria for this award. It comes at the end of verse 8, which is still on your screen. The end of verse 8, it says, Not only to me, but also to all who loved his appearing. So that is the basis of the award. Having loved the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what does that mean? What it means to have loved the appearing of the of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I believe that the best answer can be found in Titus chapter 2, starting with verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. What does it mean to love Christ's appearing? First, it is to live a life with Christ appearing in view, verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and unworldliness passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's living our life in anticipation of the coming of the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's living our life looking forward to the time in which Jesus is going to return to this earth and establish his kingdom. And verses 11 and 12 teach us that when we are looking for that kingdom, we renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, 
and godly lives. This corresponds to Paul's statement in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought a good fight. This is what it means to fight a good fight. To withstand the worldly pressures around us and to live a life of committed godliness in the present age. Secondly, it is to live in patient confidence of the Lord's return. Verse 13 of Titus 2. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's patiently waiting. It corresponds to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Paul said, I have fought a good, force, uh, fought a, uh, good fight. And secondly, he said, I've kept the faith. That's what it means to wait patiently for our blessed hope, the appearing in the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's to wait patiently, expectantly, believingly, anticipating his, his return. And then thirdly, is seeking to live a life that fulfills God's purpose in saving us. It's Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawliness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. It's referring to each and every one of us. God saved us so that we'd be a people zealous for good works. So if you are one who is seeking to live a godly life, if you are one who's living in anticipation of the Lord's return, keeping the faith, keeping the confidence, you are a person who is zealous, desiring to do the works for which God has saved you to do, then you are a person that fits the criteria of longing for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God says, for every one of those persons, there's this crown. It's an imperishable crown. It will never fade in glory. It will be awarded for us in all eternity. There's going to be, there won't be a review board that takes, us, takes it away from us. Once we have it, it's ours. But even in the receiving of it, there will be a recognition on our part of God's grace and goodness. And a humble admission that were it not for the grace of God, we would never have remained faithful to him. He who began a good work in us will perform it today of Christ. So we will give him the glory for the righteousness that we have manifested. But nonetheless, he awards us for all eternity future. And we will reign with him. So I submit to you this morning that life is hard, it's difficult. There are many disillusionments, there are many things that discourage us, but remain faithful. Continue to look beyond this life and the life to come and realize that it is very worthwhile to live your life in dedication to Lord Jesus Christ. Look for that imperishable crown that will not fade away. Let's pray. Almighty God, Help us to live in light of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, living, believing that Christ is going to return, and that when he does, that we are going to be fully rewarded. For we have a, a righteous judge, one who does not forget, one who does not overlook, but one who indeed 
acts in righteousness. So thank you, O God, and uh, thank you for saving us and giving a purpose and meaning to our lives. Help us to achieve the purpose for which you have saved us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.